This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning. Good to see everybody that could be with us this morning. I'd like to say again how much we appreciate all of our visitors. We're glad that you're with us and invite you back anytime that you're in our area. Appreciate our song leaders this morning, and I think uh, all those songs that we sang in some way are going to relate to our topic this morning. Appreciate the prayers on my behalf as well. I know that I need them. I know for sure I, that the as long as I don't misread the scripture, it's going to be beneficial to us, but it's the commentary and the way that I've arranged these scriptures that I hope that are a benefit to you this morning. We're going to talk this morning about spiritual cleanliness. And I've got this as our, we're going to ask, ask ourselves several questions this morning, but this being the main theme, if you will, am I clean in God's eyes? That's a question that only we and God really know the answer to. You know, when God looks at me, does he see somebody that he's cleaned? And that is every day really making a sincere effort to stay clean? Or does he see somebody that's dirty or really doesn't mind wading in to the filth of sin? You know, what does he see there? And that's something we need to seriously consider because like some of the songs we're singing about being near to God, as we're going to see in the scripture this morning, to be in God's presence, we need to be clean. And we can't be satisfied to hang out in the mud. To get our minds kind of thinking about cleanliness, I've just got a few questions that, that I want to ask. Number one, when was the last time you took a shower or a bath? Probably very recently, maybe in the last, maybe this morning, maybe in the last 24 hours. But we, we maintenance ourselves, we want to, to be clean. Two, have you brushed your teeth in the last 24 hours? Hopefully for those around you, you have. <laughs> Three, do you prefer to get dressed? Do you prefer to go to the dirty clothes hamper and pull out wadded clothing to wear? Or do you, would you rather go to the clean clothes that are hanging in your closet? And finally, are you okay with using dirty dishes? Are you okay to, when you need a plate, dig through the sink or the dirty dishwasher? Oh, that looks okay. Or flick things off the a used fork and use those things? Probably not. But uh, we understand cleanliness. You know, we questions like this, we make a differentiation. We distinguish between what's dirty and what's clean. We all understand that. But are we making the same distinction spiritually? Because God makes a distinction spiritually between the clean and the unclean. We see this going back since the beginning, the Levitical priesthood. He said, you know, get the Levite priest and clean them and all the, the ordinances that were established under the Levitical law. Or Levitical priesthood, there is a distinction in God's eyes between what's clean and what's unclean. So are we spiritually clean? How clean are we in God's eyes? As he looks out, we are God's children. And as he looks at his children, does he see people that are clean? Or does he see people that are satisfied to be dirty? I want to share with you one of my Favorite pictures as I look back at family photos, and this is Caden and Evan here. I think this was taken in 2008. And you can see just how, how much fun they're having out there playing in the mud. Like, looks like Evan is literally getting hosed. 
and just mud everywhere, you know, a diabolical smile there on Caden, and Evan doesn't even realize he's got mud all over him, and they're just having this great time. Now, I don't remember what happened after that, but I can about assure you there was a sense of urgency to get them to cleaned before they came inside or before they went around the house, before they did anything else. There was a sense of urgency to get them clean. When God looks at us, are we satisfied to be like that spiritually? Or is there that sense of urgency where I'm dirty, I need to clean myself? And hopefully there is because we should, as God's children, appreciate cleanliness and seek to be clean and realize that God does that cleaning and it's an open invitation every moment to be clean in his sight. When David realized his sins, you know, he did these, these awful things with the whole Bathsheba incident and having Uriah killed and all of that. When he came to and realized what he had done, he was, you know, he felt filthy, like, get this sin away from me. What do I do? We see some of this attitude in Psalm 51. And I want to just read three verses out of that psalm because this is where he is pleading with God. He realizes, I am filthy now. Cleanse me, God. And in Psalm 51 and 2, he says, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7 Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, David had that urgency. He knew he was dirty with sin, and he knew that it was only God that could clean him. And so he pled with God, Please clean me, God. Put a clean heart in me. Do we have that same level of urgency or that same mindset when we realize that we've sinned? In our country, we're accustomed to cleanliness. You know, we don't walk in any grocery store and expect there to be animals among the produce, go up to the meat market and flies all over the meat. I mean, you see that kind of thing sometimes in other countries, but here we have a high standard of cleanliness in restaurants. You know, they'll shut a restaurant down if they don't maintain certain food safety. You see in just about every business you go to, employees must wash hands before turning to work. We have sanitary sewer systems as our municipalities. There's pipes hidden and all this stuff working behind the scenes to keep things sanitary and clean. We just have a high standard and we appreciate that cleanliness. Long story short, most people like to be clean. They appreciate cleanliness. Uh, and God does too. Spiritually speaking, God appreciates cleanliness and he expects us to be clean. Another example is if you have somebody coming to visit at your house, what's well, probably the first thing you think of? I got to get the house clean. You know, we just appreciate cleanliness. And it's almost always beneficial to keep yourself clean. Your job choices are very limited. Even some labor jobs, if you show up for a job interview and you are filthy, you're going to have very limited job prospects if you're filthy. Looking for friends, especially for a spouse. You know, who wants to spend the rest of their life with somebody that refuses to be clean? It, it limits your choices. Whether it's our, our body or our stuff, our clothes, vehicles, houses, whatever it is, again, we, we choose things that are clean over what's dirty. And God is the same way. 
He wants us to be clean with the way we live. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll start with verse 14 and go through the first verse of chapter 7. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Verse 16, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So the goal here I've got underlined is this perfecting holiness. And what that means is striving to be completely holy be completely holy to God, that cannot and that will not happen if we don't clean ourselves, spiritually speaking. And notice that it says both flesh and spirit. And we're not talking about hygiene here. This is from the flesh, the things that are visible, the things that we are doing with this flesh, the things that we're saying. And the spirit what are the motives behind those words and actions? We need to perfect holiness in, in both of those things, both in flesh and spirit. But what makes us dirty, we're told this back there in verse 17, it says, touch not the unclean thing. Well, what is the unclean thing? Oh, that's, that is sin. Sin is the unclean thing. And we're told to avoid it, don't touch it. When we're physically dirty, we know that we're, we're dirty, that we need to be clean. But spiritually, you know, we go out and sin, you know, do we really realize it? How do we treat that when we're, we're spiritually dirty? We may ignore it. We may not realize it. Or maybe we're just okay with it. And that's, that's unacceptable. You know, maybe, you know, hey, everybody sins. I know it's going to happen. I'm, you know, I'm fine with it. That, that can't, we can't live like that because... God says to perfect holiness in the fear of Him. We have to devote ourselves to that refining process, and that's an ongoing thing. Proverbs 16 and 2. Proverbs 16 and 2 says, All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. In other words, we are not fooling God. You know, we may look at ourselves and think, I'm cleaner than the wind-driven snow. You know, I'm doing what's right, but hold up because the Lord weighs the spirits. In other words, He knows not only He doesn't see what you're doing, but He also sees why you're doing it. He is weighing the spirit behind that action. So let us look honestly at ourselves. Am I clean both in flesh and spirit because I'm not fooling God? My behavior, conduct, words, thoughts, are those clean or are they dirty? We've probably heard it's, on the, it's what's on the inside that counts. It's what's on the inside, that's what counts. Well, 
That's a true statement because what's inside? It's God's spirit. So, of course, that's what matters, what's on the inside of us that counts. It doesn't make sense for us to make God's spirit live in squalor. And how can we live a filthy life and claim to be clean in spirit? Because remember, the Lord weighs the spirits. What are the motives behind what we're doing? In 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, Paul you know, drives the point home here, having therefore these promises. So he kind of makes the point, look at what God has promised you. Clean yourself up, make yourself presentable, and show that you really care about being in God's presence. You know, when we get ready in the morning, we, we probably look in the mirror before we go out into the world to make sure that we're presentable. But how often do we look in that spiritual mirror to see how are we doing spiritually? Are we, are we presentable to God to go do the work for Him? It's an inside-out approach, though, and we'll see this as, as Jesus uh, talks to the scribes and Pharisees. If the inner man is clean, that's going to drive the outer man in our works to do what's, what's right and not to be in filth. So here in Matthew chapter 23, I want to look at verses 25 and 26, and this is Jesus in exchange with the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 23, verse 25, it says, or Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. See, it's not an outside-in approach. It's inside working out. You know, we can shower twice a day, but... You know, we could still be dirty in the eyes of God because God cares about the thoughts and intents of our heart, not just how clean we look. And as you'd expect, Jesus gives a perfect example here about, about dishes because if, if you offer me a drink, I'm much more concerned about the inside of that cup than the outside because if I take this cup and, yeah, that looks clean and I go to drink it and then there's all kinds of gunk in there and stuff, you know, it's not really clean. It just had the appearance. And so Jesus makes that point here. You know, Pharisees and scribes, you're, you're looking clean, but you're really not clean. You might remember a news report. I'll never forget that. This is, I don't know, this may have been 20 years ago, but there was an investigative report about the cleanliness of hotel rooms. And the thing that I remember most is they, they, they set up a hidden camera and they had the maids cleaning if you stayed in hotels, you'll know there's usually something set up like this with some drinking glasses. And they caught these maids going with the same towel, going through that room, wiping out bathroom surfaces and who knows what else, taking the used glasses with the same towel and setting them down as clean. Now, if you were the next person that came right after that and stayed in that room, here you have a clean glass and you're using that and it's anything but clean but it has the appearance because they've shined it up. Again, looking, looking clean is not, I mean, we can look clean to everybody in the world, but God, we're not fooling God. God knows whether we're really clean or not. 
These scribes and Pharisees focused on their outward appearance and they preferred looking clean. They really didn't even think about if they were really clean or not. And of course, Jesus calls them out on it. And here's another exchange between Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 15, verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, and this is the Pharisees talking to Jesus. They ask him, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they, not, they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And I'll stop there. And this really caught my attention because say what? Transgress the tradition. How do you even transgress a tradition? It's more like transgressing God. And so Jesus, of course, highlights that. He says in verse 3, He answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? And then skipping down to verses 10 and 11, And He called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, Not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth. This defileth a man. And then verse, verses 16 through 20. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. And see the Pharisees, they focused, their attention was on hygiene. How dare these, how, Jesus, how dare your disciples eat with, with unwashed hands? Meanwhile, they let, you know, the, the real filth go unchecked. You know, but it's easy to look down upon these men and think, how could they do this? Because I know I'm guilty of this very thing. For me, it's gas pumps. Like, especially when I'm on a road trip, you know, trying to combine a gas fill up with a stopping to eat, and you touch that gas pump, and some of them are pretty filthy. I get that pump gas, and hand sanitizer just doesn't cut it. You know, I just, I just can't. After I've had that, uh, that grime on my hand, I can't take that same hand touch food and, and eat it so I can relate to what the Pharisees are saying there. You know, same thing mowing out mowing the grass, you know, out working in the yard and you're filthy from head to toe, got it in sinuses and everything. I just can't do it. I can't come in and sit down on the furniture. I've got to go shower and clean up before I, before I sit down to eat or whatever. But am I that, am I that, do I have that level of urgency when I know that I've sinned? And unfortunately, no. I'm quicker so many times to clean my hands, to take a shower, rather than to really clean what matters, clean my heart. Our heart, it's got to be in the, the right place. It's got to be that inside out. Clean what's inside first, and your actions will follow suit. Hygiene, you I think we all want hygiene, but we need that spiritual cleanliness is what matters. And that's what Jesus calls these Pharisees out for because they were completely focused with the outside man. And perhaps we're guilty of that many times in our life. James 4 and 8, draw nigh, that word nigh is near, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, he says here, cleanse your hands. Well, that's a parallel he's making there. But God, drawing near to God, it requires us to be clean. And that was, again, I mentioned it before, there was, a, there was rigorous washing with the Levitical priest. You know, when they came in to the presence of God in the tabernacle and temple, when they went into the holy place and so forth, they had to be clean. God would not tolerate filthiness in His presence. And that same thing is true for us today. He does not tolerate filthiness, spiritually speaking. We have to be clean. How many times a day do we wash our hands versus how many times a day do we wash our hearts, so to speak? Are we going through the day thinking about, have I committed sin today? Do I need to be clean? Because we sin each and every day. 1 Peter 2 and 9, But you are a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Don't forget about those things which are described as a schoolmaster. Yes, we're not part of that Levitical priesthood, but we are part of a priesthood, a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So be clean because you are part. We are part of this royal priesthood. What cleans us? Well, Jesus says this in John chapter 15. And in the context of this verse, Jesus had before this gone into some, some words about it. There was an exchange about cleaning ourselves up. And then in John 15, I want to read verse 3 because this is talking here about how he is the true vine and we are branches of that vine. And he says here in John 15 and verse 3, he uses the word clean. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. In this, in this context, it's cleaning in the sense of pruning a plant. You know, getting rid of all the unnecessary uh, junk in that plant. And, but he says that we are cleaned through the word. That is the cleaning agent. And why is that? How do, how do we explain that? Why does the, how does the word of God clean us? Well, first of all, the Word of God, as we read it, it shows us what is clean. It, it teaches us that distinction between this is clean and this is dirty. You know, we physically speaking, if we have dirt, oil on our hands, we can see it. We know, I need to clean this. And the Word of God does that in a sense where we read the Word of God and we say, hey, this thing here, I need to avoid this. I need to get this out of my life here. But it doesn't just highlight it. It also tells us how, what to do, how to get that off. And we'll get into that as we go a little bit further on here. It's Jesus. He paid the price so that we can remove that, uh, that filth out of our lives. But cleaning or pruning, that promotes growth. And that's what the Word of God does for us. It cleans out all this weight of sin, all this nonsense in our life, and it, it makes us able to do the work of God and to grow in His service. If we, when we adopt His Word into our life, it conducts a pruning process of removing all the evil stuff and it allows us to grow. 
And here's an illustration of a rose bush that's unpruned versus one that's pruned. And I've kind of taken an interest to this. We've got two big rose bushes in our flower beds. And so I've been learning over the last few years in particular, how do I, you know, how do I sustain these bushes? You know, how do I prune them? And at first, when I went to prune it, I was concerned like, wow, I'm going to, if I take all this stuff off, I'm going to kill this thing. And it's kind of shown here, that's a lot of stuff coming off that. And I, it kind of, as I thought this through, it kind of dawned on me that a lot of people probably are fear, fearful or reluctant to come to the, to the Word of God or even open the Bible because they think that this is going to be such a radical change in their life. Like, I've got so much sin in my life, that is going to kill me if I just completely change my lifestyle. And there's that fear. But we don't, what we don't realize is pruning that stuff out does the exact opposite of killing us. It is there, and it, now we're able to flourish. And it's the Word of God that takes us from an unpruned state and makes us pruned, ready to do His service, being cleaned up. And so when Jesus says, you're clean through the Word, that's, that's the visual that I take from that. When we don't have that cleaning, when you see like an unpruned bush, it's a mess. And that didn't just happen all of a sudden. It was an accumulation that took place there, things dying out and there was no maintenance. Look at this example here of a hoarder's house or a hoarder's kitchen. Just on the left, that's the before and the after. Uh, in the before, and I think this was from a cleaning service that said they can clean up anything, but before you have this hoarded mess, did that happen just overnight or in a day? No, it was an accumulation of not maintaining, not keeping that space clean, and it just kept piling up and piling up and piling up. And that's what we do when we don't maintenance ourselves spiritually. We let that sin just continue to weigh us down and build up and build up and build up. And what happens with a hoarder? You know, you watch these, these like heartbreaking accounts of these hoarders where they just for years let this kind of thing happen. And they get to a point where they're helpless, like, help me. I don't know how to get out of this on my own. And that's how... It works spiritually as well. We get into a state, if we don't take care of ourselves, we may get into that state where we're helpless. Like, I don't know how to get out of this. But it's the Word of God that wipes away all that, that mess there to, to let us start anew. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Ephesians 5, starting verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. First of all, notice how is the church cleansed? By the word, by the word. Again, just like Jesus said, like in that pruning example, you are clean by the word. He says here, uh, the church cleansed by the washing of water by the word. And so it's very frustrating uh, for me to hear, you know, even a pronounced Christian or a, quote, Christian organization 
distance themselves from the word of God. The very word that Jesus says, this word will cleanse you. The Apostle Paul, the church is cleansed by the word. It's very, very frustrating when anybody that tries to carry the name of Christ kind of minimizes the word. Because what are you left with in the absence of the word? Well, you're left with something that has blemish, something that is not holy, something that is wrinkled or spotted. Because it's the word that does the cleansing, the washing. And also, not to mention the fact that you ignore the relationship that's described here that Christ has with his church. You know, there's no closer relationship than a husband and wife. And that is how it's, it's laid out here. The relationship between Christ and his church is that of a, a marriage, a husband and a wife. And how is that relationship going to work out when you have the one spouse who is as clean as can be, but then the other spouse chooses to just be filthy all the time. How's that relationship going to thrive? As the Apostle Paul reminds us, never lose sight. Remember the promises of God. Remember the price that Jesus Christ paid so that you can be clean. As, as we read here, Christ loved the church. He gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Don't ever forget that. God allows you, he allows every one of us to be in his presence and be so close to him that the only way that that can be described in our feeble minds is this example here of a husband and wife's relationship. God spares no expense to keep us clean. Hebrews 10 and 22 let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Who holds us back from this drawing near? Well, it's, it's only us. We are the only ones that can hold ourselves back from being close to God. And there is nothing that will make you feel dirtier than having an evil conscience. If you've had an evil conscience, you know the damage that causes you. But what a blessing it is that we are told here we can come to God in full assurance that he, he will clean us of all of that, that sin that is troubling us. We can approach Him with full assurance without a doubt in our mind. Why does he want us to be clean? You know, why does he take such an interest in us being clean? Well, it's because, as we read in the scripture, he desires that all men be saved. And he's looking at the whole picture. We, you know, we know our life is short, but for eternity, we're going to be with him in his presence. And so in this life, we need to be preparing with that same mindset this level of spiritual cleanliness preparing us to be in God's presence for eternity. Going back again, the priest, when they came in to his presence, they had to be rigorously clean. You know, a lot of people dream of heaven. They, we hear heaven talked about quite frequently. I look forward to heaven when there's no tears, no heartache, no sickness, no death, and so forth, and how glorious it, it's going to be. What often is left out of that, though, is 
who is in heaven? It's God. So many, it, as I thought this through, you know, a lot of people expect or hope to get to heaven, but they don't really mention God in that description. But that's a little odd because God is going to put us there. You know, as long as we clean ourselves up, you know, take those steps, he's the one that's built everything. We're going to spend eternity glorifying him in his presence. And so often that vision, the glorious vision of heaven leaves out the one who made it all possible. There will be, when you talk about being clean, there's not going to be cleanliness at all like heaven. I mean, nothing on this earth compares to the cleanliness of heaven. There will be no filth in heaven. So it only makes sense that those that God has called out are preparing to live that clean life for eternity. You know, God, or David, when he realized he was dirty with sin, as we read at the start of our talk this morning, he pled with God, please clean me, you know, give me a clean heart. And God today, this morning, is ready to do that for you. And really even more than that, let your conscience do its thing, call you out and come to God to be clean. First Peter 3 and 21 the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, let, let the conscience do its thing. Let God's word work in you and call those sins out like, hey, I need to act on this. Let, let your conscience do that and bring you to God for the cleaning. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. And before I read this, this word pricked, that's not a little ding, not a little pinprick. If you look at the Greek where that comes from, it's more like being stabbed. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They had that attitude like David, we've sinned. What do we do? How do we get out of this mess? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, unto, un, unto your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So repentance, that is turning away from those that dirt and that filth. I'm going to live a new life. And then baptism is removing all of that damage as if it never happened. Your slate is clean. You're fully pruned. You are now ready for what? You're ready for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because why would God want to live in a filthy temple? Remember, we are the temple of God. And we're, this is what these steps do. They prepare us to live this, to be born again, to live this new life and God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you have not taken these steps this morning, why not? Why not? You, know, you may never get the chance, so this morning, if you haven't, you know, take care of business. And if, if we've already taken these steps, if we've put on Jesus Christ in baptism, 
how good and we've had we've received the gift of the Holy Ghost how good of a host are we are we taking are we wearing Jesus Christ that name Christian and are we going out and playing in the mud or are we really striving to be clean are we grieving the Holy Spirit by playing in the dirt 1 Corinthians 6 9 through 11 know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, none of them shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It's those who are washed that will inherit the kingdom of God. Being cleaned by God, this word there in verse 11, we are washed, we are sanctified. The best way I can visualize sanctification is through uh, like a dish. Like say, you have a, say I have a coffee mug and this is a dirty coffee mug. And so I go and clean all the dirt off of that, get it clean go to the whatever cabinet and set it in there and have it ready to serve coffee out of whenever the time comes. In a sense, I have sanctified that coffee mug for that particular purpose. That's in a way what God is doing with us. He has taken us out of the filth, he has cleaned us up and he has set us aside for a specific purpose and that purpose is to do his will. So he has cleaned and sanctified us. His spirit lives in us and he uses us in his service. So how do we think that God feels when we choose to take what he has cleaned and go run it through the mud? As a parent, one thing that will upset you, if you've taken all this time to clean your, your child up and they just go right out and get filthy again, you know, that's frustrating. But how must it be for God when he's done all this Again, he's spared no expense to clean us up. And we just go, practically, the visual is like go swim in the sewer. That's kind of what we do. And there's an illustration here in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22 that I want to bring out. For, uh, 2 Peter 2, chapter 2, or yeah, 2 Peter 2, starting on verse 20. For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. If we don't keep ourselves clean, then we're, we're this dog turning to the vomit, the pig turning back to the, uh, to the mud pit. That's what, that's what we are when God has cleaned us up and we choose to go back in, into sin. And these are very graphic, you know, disgusting illustrations, but that's how disgusting it is when we take ourselves when we have been made clean and go back to sin. It's that, that disgusting to God, and we should not be doing that. You know, 
Only you know this morning if you are in need of a bath, spiritually speaking. You know, maybe it's time to, to bust out the toothbrush. You know, how have you been talking in your life? You know, are you that hotel glass this morning that to everybody out there looks like you're doing so great, but in reality, you're in a sad state of affairs. You're pretty disgusting. You know, only we can answer that question and only God knows the truth. So this morning, let's think about that question, am I really clean in God's eyes? And just in summary, let's remember what we were told, let's perfect holiness or let's live out life striving to be completely holy, completely clean before God. Let's truly desire and um, covet and really want to be in God's presence and realize that we can't be there if we choose to remain um, dirty. And finally, let's remember that we are a vessel in God's uh, service. Are we offering God up a sacrifice on a dirty plate as that being that vessel? So close with a final scripture this morning. First John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God makes good on his promises and he promises us this, that if we come to him and we really want to be clean, well, he will do exactly that. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, if you have not put on your Lord in baptism and you know and you understand baptism and you haven't done so, you know, again, what is holding you back? We have a baptistry here. Don't be the only hindrance uh, to being made free of sin because uh, you may not have another opportunity. If you've already taken that step and maybe you've become like that, like a spiritual hoarder where you have not done maintenance and maybe you've got so much sin weighing you down that you just don't know what to do and you need prayers. Well, if you be of either case, we're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. Uh, you can come forward and have a seat on our front row while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.